You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. Anthony McLean delivers lively presentations on topics like mental health, bullying, diversity, and parenting. As a respected voice in his field, he has appeared on CBC News, Global Toronto's Morning Show, CP24, and Breakfast Television. Prior to this, Anthony was an actor on stage and in TV commercials. He once starred in a milk commercial without telling anyone he was lactose intolerant. Anthony lives in the Toronto area with his wife, singer and actress Susie Faith, and their two kids, Josh and Ariella. These days, you can find Anthony hanging with his kids in the city, walking with his dog in nature, or working on his new rap album in studio. Please welcome Anthony McLean. Wow, thank you. It's so great to be here. Well, it's Father's Day, and we're going to start things a little different today. Uh, this is Michael Revensar on the keys. Everyone say hi, Michael. Michael gave his life to God in this church right over there. Yeah, yeah. Because a family in this church invited him and, and a few other people to come. It's amazing what happens when you invite people to church. Michael and I make music together, and one day we're jamming, and uh, he started playing this. And he just played. And I started tearing up. And I started thinking about my kids. And I wrote a song for my daughter. And it goes like this. First time I held her, she cried. Rocked her to sleep till she closed her little eyes. And I wished she would stay just like this. The first time I read her a book, <laughs> I made her laugh. You should have seen how she looked. Man, she was smiling just like this. I remember daddy daughter date. We went for ice cream. She said, Daddy, can I tell you my dreams? And when she told me, I cried just a, a little bit. And I try to freeze time. I try to capture all these moments in my mind. But she grows and the time goes just like this. They say the days are long. They say the days are long, but the years, they're so quick. The parents know that the days are long. Sometimes the days are long, but the years, they're so quick. At school, one day they call their names broke my heart cause her pain is my pain I watched as her tears flowed just like this she didn't like her own curls she wanted straight hair like the other girls I said I love your hair just like this we had a good talk she went back the next day because of my words, daddy said I'd be okay. Yeah, she was okay, but I was home crying. Just. 
wish I could be her mirror so she could see herself clear. The truth, you are God's image just like this. They say the days are long, dads. They say the days are long, but can I tell you the years, they're quick. It's just the days are long. Sometimes the days, they're long. But the years, they're so quick. And sometimes I'm so busy. I'm not there the way that I should be. One day I will wish for days like this. She won't always be daddy's little girl. She won't always see my view of the world. I know she can't stay just like this. It was so much easier when she was three. Now I gotta let go so she can be free. I wonder if my mom ever felt like this. And maybe one day she will be a mother have her own child who she'll love like no other and then she'll watch him grow just like this she'll say the days are long she'll say the days are long but the years they're so quick Children are a gift. Redeem the time. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. That's not an easy song for me to do. <laughs> but how many people know raising kids, it's the most beautiful and complicated thing in the world? Thank you. And that was Michael Reventar on the keys. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. You know, when I, when I first wrote that song, I was crying. And we just finished a series about emotion here at One Church. And I think it's so beautiful when I meet a man who is not afraid to shed tears. And I'm not, I'm not afraid to shed tears in front of my kids. I mean, in the NBA finals, anybody cry during some of the commercials? I, there was one about Nike, and it's this woman that joins a marathon. Oh, I was a wreck. I was crying every time. But it's beautiful that our kids get to see that. So men in the room, thank you for being here. We celebrate you today. One more round of applause for all the dads in the room, the uncles, the big brothers, the coaches, the mentors. We need you all to help us raise our kids. It ain't easy. All right. So today I want to speak to you about a message that has been bursting in my heart. I've been looking forward to this for so long. And it's a message I call, hold on to the word. When I say hold on to, you say the word. Hold on to? Let me hear that again. Hold on to? Everyone watching online, I want to hear you say it too. Hold on to? 
excellent. Hold on to the word. God has given you a promise for your life and hold on to it. No matter what happens, hold on to that promise and never let it go. Let me show you a pattern that I found in the Bible. And if you're uh, familiar with the Bible, you'll recognize this right away. If, you're, if you've never read a single story in the Bible, you're still going to get a lot out of this. So check out this pattern that I see in scripture. So it goes like this. And if you know the Bible, I want you to think about people that fit in this blank. Here's how it goes. God gives someone a promise that they're going to have a baby when they've always wanted a baby or that they're going to be a great leader or that they're going to have houses they didn't build. I mean, he gives them a really exciting promise. And then the next thing that happens is not that they, they get the promise. The next thing that happens is they go through trials. They go through trials. And as a result of those trials, those hard situations, they either hold on to the word or they're like, whoa, I did not sign up for this. And they drop the word. They either keep going or they give up. And if they give up, the promise isn't fulfilled. But if they keep going, if they hold on to the word, the promise is fulfilled. I wonder if you can think of someone in the scripture that matches this pattern. I'll show you one. Uh, there was in the Old Testament, there was a, a man by the name of Saul. And God said to Saul, I'm going to make you the very first king of Israel. And if you walk according to my ways, then I'll make sure there's someone in your lineage that's always on the throne in Israel. But you got to walk according to my ways. Now Saul encountered trials. And for him, an enemy army was coming to fight against Israel. And the prophet Samuel had told Saul, do not draw up your battle plans until I come and I'll tell you the way that God wants you to fight this battle. But the enemies are coming and the soldiers that are with Saul, they're getting nervous and they're running away and everyone's looking at Saul, the leader, saying, what are we going to do? And Saul doesn't have the courage to say, just wait, just wait, just wait. I know God is true to his word. He's going to come through. The prophet's going to come and we're going to get a word and we're going to overcome he can't do that. He can't wait. He panics. He takes matters into his own hands. He drops the word. As a result of dropping the word, God sent Samuel to him and, say, and said, you're no longer going to be the king. I've taken the kingdom away from you. I'm giving it to someone who will walk in my ways, a man according to my own heart. And that person was David. Now, if you're a teenager in the room, I want you to know that David was a teenager. He was sitting in a shepherd's field, just taking care of some sheep. He was just doing his best, being faithful, taking care of these sheep. And one day, the prophet Samuel came to him and gave him a promise. You are going to do something great. You are going to be the next king of Israel. Now, David doesn't have any connections at all. He doesn't have any resources. He doesn't know anyone in politics. He doesn't, like, he has no idea how he would get from sitting in, in amongst a bunch, bunch of sheep in the desert to sitting on the throne and being a king. Like, this is, but David believes the word. Even though he doesn't know how God is going to do it, he knows that God can do anything. Can I encourage you today? You might be in a situation that you don't know how God is going to do it. 
You might be sitting somewhere with a big dream and you don't know how you can get from here to there. You might be watching online and you know that God has given you something burning in your heart, but you don't know how you're going to get from here to there. You don't need to know how. You just need to believe that God can do whatever he promises. And that's what David believes. He doesn't know how, but he says, yes, I believe it. I will be the next king. I wonder who in here is sitting on a promise that's bigger than them. Who in here is believing for something that you're, maybe you wouldn't be quick to tell someone else because they would look at you like, you think you? What do you think David's friends would say if they came to see him with the sheep? And he's with the sheep and he's like, I'm going to be a king. I'm going to be the king. What do you think his friends would say? You know something? I think there's some people here at One Church. I think there's some people watching online that are just crazy enough to believe that God can do anything. When he gives you a word, he can do anything. You don't need to know the how. Believe him. He's the God of the impossible. With God, nothing will be impossible. His resume is flawless. If he gives you a promise, he can bring it to pass. David gets a promise that he's going to be a king. And the next day, he's on the throne reigning. Oh, wait. Hold on. Sorry, I skipped ahead in the story. This is, this is always the pattern. I forgot. My bad. Okay, so it doesn't happen right away. This is always the pattern, okay? So you get the promise, but then you go through trials. You go through a journey. Like you think it's going to be, yeah, but then there's things that God wants you to learn maybe. And so you go through trials. And for David, it was hard. He used to play music for Saul when Saul wasn't feeling well. And one day he was playing music for Saul, the current king, and Saul picked up a spear and tried to kill him. Saul became so jealous of David, he sent soldiers, and David had to hide in a cave. And for months and for years, he's hiding in a cave, scared for his life. And he would sit in the cave and hiding for his life with this promise that he'd be king. And now he's sitting in a cave, scared for his life, breathing as quietly as he can so that nobody hears him with this promise that he's going to be king. He was told he's going to be king, and now he's hiding in a cave. Told he's going to be king, and now his life has come to, to this. But you know what David would do in the middle of the night when no one else was around? He would take out a harp, and he'd start singing praises to God. He would start worshiping God even though his life had come to this. Because for David, it was more than just what God is going to do for me. For David, it was, I worship you, not for what you're doing for me, but because you're God. And what I love about David, he wouldn't just worship. He'd also ask God, why? Why is this happening? What did I do? What are you doing? You told me why, why? And can I tell you that God can take your why? That when you're going through the hardest season of your life, keep calling out to him, keep reaching out to him, 
and never let go of his promises. His presence is all you need. I think about Paul and Silas who were arrested for worshiping Jesus. They were beaten up, they were bleeding, and at midnight locked in chains in a dungeon. What did they do? They started worshiping. They started praising God. We can't measure God's goodness based on what's happening to us right now. And I'm sure there's some of you in this room right now that are, are going through a hard time right now. We measure God's love not by what's happening in our body, not by what's happening in our bank account. We measure God's love by what Jesus did on the cross. When we were at our worst, he sent his best. Jesus died for us, and by that, we know that God is good all the time, and we worship him through everything. I heard a pastor say recently, you can worship God through everything. So if you're in a storm right now, in a trial right now, keep on believing. Keep holding on to the word and worship your way through it. Winston Churchill, the prime minister of, of England during the Second World War, when Nazi Germany was dropping bombs on houses in England, Winston Churchill said this. It's a little rude. Forgive me. He said, when you're going through hell, keep going. That's not the time to stop. Some of you in the middle of a storm, do not stop now and do not give up on God. Keep going and hold on to that promise. David is sitting in a cave and he's worshiping and he's sitting in a cave and he holds on to the word even when they're hunting for his life. Just a little aside, I'm listening right now to an app and it's called Dwell. Dwell is a Bible app where they read the Bible out loud to you and the music is beautiful and the, the voices are beautiful. And I've been listening to 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel and it goes through the story of Saul and of David and it is blessing me so much. If you have time, check out the Bible app Dwell and check out 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. Uh, it's beautiful. All right, so David holds on to the word and the promise is fulfilled, he becomes the king. Now, I want to show you another example of this, and that's Joseph. Some of you might know about Joseph. He was the dude with the really cool coat. He was the guy that was like swagged out. He had the Gucci of his day, and he was looking good. He was dripping. He was always just looking good. And his brothers were jealous of him because he was always looking so good. And Joseph one day had a dream from God. And God gave him this dream. And in the dream, his brothers were bowing down in reverence to him. And Joseph woke up and he was like, whoa, I know this is God. And he knew the interpretation. God showed him, you're going to be such an influential leader in the world that your own family will bow down reverently before you. Do you know what kind of leadership you have to be for your family to bow down? Like you can be a leader at your work. Your brother is not bowing down to you, okay? It's Father's Day, you might be going out with family. No one's gonna bow down to you unless you, I mean, it's gotta be huge. So Joseph knows, well, God's gonna do something huge in my life. I wonder if there's anyone here that believes that, that God's gonna do something huge in my life. 
And Joseph is so excited about it. And he goes and tells his brothers, hey, great news. God's going to do something huge in my life. And like, oh, yeah, what's God going to do for you? And he says, I'm going to be so influential. It's going to be so big that even you guys are going to bow down before me. And his brothers lift him up and throw him into a pit. And they sell him into slavery. And Joseph ends up in Egypt as a slave. So he's believing for something huge. And then he ends up in this trial, right? This is a pattern throughout scripture. But Joseph, even when he's a slave, even when he's falsely accused as a slave and he ends up in jail, Joseph holds on to the word. And when he's in jail, he's ministering to other people. When he was a slave in the household, he served other people so well, they put him in charge of the whole household. He learned how to run a household. When he was in the prison, he started helping people where he could. They started letting him lead the entire prison. He led the institution. He ministered to people even when he was broken. But that's not surprising because I know that there's people in this church that are going through the hardest season of their life right now. And they're still serving here at church. They're still calling other people, offering comfort. They're driving people home. They're up here on the worship team. They're out there volunteering, greeting people, ministering to people, even though they're going through a hard time. They had a loved one who died, and they're still praying in faith for someone else's loved one. Some of you are just like Joseph, and it is so beautiful in the eyes of God. Joseph, in prison, he hears two people who look troubled and he finds out they both had a bad dream. And Joseph says, hey, wait a minute. God can interpret dreams. Tell me your dream. I'll help you. And he taps into the Holy Spirit and he helps them understand what their dream meant. They're so blown away that when one of them gets out of jail and starts working in the palace for the leader of all Egypt, the most powerful person in the world at that time this person is working for pharaoh and pharaoh has a bad dream one night and pharaoh doesn't know what it means and he's troubled and this person says pharaoh wait i know a man in jail that can interpret your dream and pharaoh the most powerful man in the world says bring him here and they bring joseph out of prison and he shaves and he has a shower and he gets a brand new pair of clothes and he rolls up into the palace 24 hours before he was in the pit. 24 hours he's in the palace, dressed all nice, smelling good. You'd be surprised how quick God can move you out of your situation. Some of you are this close to your breakthrough. And if you give up now, you'll never see it happen. I heard a quote, many of life's failures are people who did not know how close they were to success when they gave up. Don't you dare give up. Now, he rolls up to the Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, I heard you're the one that can interpret dreams. This is Joseph's moment. And Joseph steps up and says, no, I cannot. I cannot interpret your dream." And Pharaoh's like, bruh. And Pharaoh looks at the guy who said it, and he says, bruh. And the guy looks at Joseph and says, bruh. And Joseph's like, no, for real, I can't do it. He says, but God is good. God can interpret your dream. So you tell me, and I'll tap into the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what your dream means. But it's through God. And Pharaoh's like, okay, let, let's see. Pharaoh tells his dream. 
Joseph gets the interpretation. Joseph says, I know God just told me what your dream means. It means this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, and then something good is going to happen, something bad is going to happen. What you need to do is make provision for this, make provision for that, and you need to find someone real smart that you can put in charge of this whole thing because it's going down right now. And Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's like, well, you're looking pretty good right now yourself. And Joseph's like, me? And Pharaoh's like, I'm going to put you in charge. You are the new prime minister of Egypt. Only I'm more powerful than you. Here's my signet ring. You have all authority in this land. Go ahead then. And Joseph steps into his promise. When 24 hours before, he was in a prison. How many of you right now are in a hard situation? You don't know where you can be 24 hours from now. You don't know what God's going to do in your life later this year. You don't know what God is going to do in your life later this year, next year. I am telling you, if you were to give up now, it would be such a shame. God is good. Now, Joseph holds on to the word and the promise is fulfilled. His brothers, there's a famine. They know there's grain in Egypt. They show up in Egypt and they bow before. They don't know who it is, but they bow. Please, can we have some? And Joseph is standing there watching his brothers and he says, God, wow, you are good. But Joseph weeps. He says, but God, why did I have to go through all that? Why did I have to go through all that? was years I went through. Slavery and being in prison. Why did I have to go through all that? And sometimes you never get the answer to that question. I don't know why. I don't know why one, we prayed for one person and they didn't make it. I don't know. And then someone else got prayed for and they made it. It was the same prayer. I, I don't know. Sometimes you're in the middle of something you don't understand. But you know what you can do? You can just keep on taking one step after another. Take it one day at a time. Keep going. And don't give up. When you're going through hell, keep going. With Joseph, though, there's one little thing I, I, I think like, oh, wait a minute. that Because Joseph said... What they meant for my evil, you used for my good. So I don't know if I can say that you caused it, but everything that happened, the bad stuff, the horrible stuff. I'm not saying God caused it because God is good and we have free will. We do horrible things to each other. I'm not saying God causes it. But Joseph said this, everything they meant for my harm, you worked it for my good. I was a kid with a Gucci jacket. I didn't have any leadership skills. You told me I was going to lead a nation. I didn't even know how to lead a household. Oh, but wait, when I was sold into slavery, I ended up running an entire household. I learned how to run a household through my trial. That's what they meant for my harm. You work for my good. And then I was in the prison, I ended up running the entire institution. So I learned how to run a household. Then I learned how to run an institution. And now I'm ready to run a nation. They meant it to harm me. They falsely accused me, but they didn't realize you are a hundred steps ahead of the enemy and you can work it all for my good. Some of you have been through things that are so painful and so hurtful. Can I encourage you? God is going to work it all for your good. And you're going to find yourself like Joseph, looking up and being like, wow, God, look what you did. That's awesome. Now, there's one last person I want to show you who went through this. And that's, that's you. Some of you have a promise from God. Now, some of you are, 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 have seen promises fulfilled. 
And now you've got another promise and you're excited about that. Some of you, maybe you had a promise and you dropped it and, and, and maybe it wasn't fulfilled. Or maybe you don't even mean to drop You don't know what happened. It's just you were believing and it didn't happen. Wherever you find yourself in the journey, I want to encourage you. When God gives you a promise, hold on to that word. Meditate on it every day. Make time. I mean, you're driving home, pull over in a parking lot for five minutes and just take out your phone and go over his promises. This is what God said over my life. This is what's happening. This is what I believe. Jesus said, be it done to you according to your faith. Jesus, can you heal me? Be it done to you according to your faith. Now, I want to show you something. Um, I have a, a Example I want to show you about holding on to his promises, holding on to the word. Let me grab something. Hold on a second here. Yes, perfect. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want you to pretend like you are climbing a mountain. All right, you're climbing a mountain and you're holding on to a rope that's going to take you all the way to the top. And there's other people hiking and everything's going well until a storm blows in like you've never seen before. And now you are separated from all the other hikers and the wind is blowing you around. And then night falls. You can't see two feet in front of you. It's blistering cold. The snow is in your eyes and you got no one around except for this rope. But then you hear from a distance the guide calling out, everyone, hold on to the rope. The storm isn't going to last, but don't let go of the rope. If you let go of the rope, the storm can take you out. But as long as you hold on to this rope, you'll be okay. The storm won't last. I'll come up and down and I'll look over the rope. Just hold on. And now you know, you just got to hold on. And you know this rope, this symbolizes the word of God. This symbolizes his presence. And you just got to hold on. And when you're going through hell, you just hold on. And when it's dark and you don't know what's happening and you don't know why they walked out on you, you don't know why your loved one died, you don't know why you're going through what you're going through right now, you don't know how you're going to make it to the end of the month, but just hold on to his promises and never let go. The storm isn't going to last, but if you hold on, you will. And can I tell you, just like the guide who watches over everyone on the rope to keep them safe, Jeremiah 1.12 says, I am watching over my word to perform it. God has his eye on you, and he's going to make sure that he fulfills the promises he spoke over you. Just hold on to that word, no matter what. Maybe you got a word for your kids that your kids are going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve that God, God showed you your kids are going to be walking with God, but right now they're off course. They're doing drugs. Maybe your son just got suspended from school and you're believing that he's going to walk with the Lord. But right now you don't see that at all. I don't care what it looks like. Hold on to the word. 
Maybe you're believing for success in your business. God showed you're going to be a leader in your industry. God showed you that you're going to do great things in your career, but right now nothing is happening. You're at a dead-end job that you can't stand, and you don't know how you're going to get from here to there. Can I encourage you? Hold on to the word and never let it go. I don't care what life throws at you. Hold on to his promises. I'm telling you, every man and woman in the Bible that God did something great for, this is what they went through. They got a promise. They said, yay, but then the storm came, the trials came, and sometimes it lasted for years, but they held on, and the promise was fulfilled. So no matter what happens, hold on. And listen, I'll be real with you, man. Sometimes life throws things at you that are like you don't expect you don't see it coming. You didn't know it's going to happen. You're minding your own business. And out of nowhere, all of a sudden, life starts beating you up. And you're like, man, I'm just trying to hold on to this word. As for me and my house, we will serve them. But it doesn't feel like it. And sometimes it gets worse. Sometimes big things happen that you don't expect. I mean, things you did not see coming at all. And you're believing to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, but you're not seeing any goodness at all. And you're speaking over yourself in faith. I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. But you got pain in your body. No matter what happens, hold on to the word. How about a round of applause for my volunteers? Oh, my goodness, Natalie. Matt, Rich, Josh, thank you. Wow. Oh, my goodness. No matter what happens, you got to hold on to the word because the world's going to throw stuff at you. And some of us get thrown off because we're believing God for something, but then things happen and we're like, wait, what? I didn't sign up for this. But don't drop the word. You know something? I think sometimes the hardest thing to go through, harder than being bounced around by sumo wrestlers. You know what's hard to go through? Time. Because you got that promise so long ago. You've been holding on for so long. You've been believing for so long for something that just, sometimes that's why we drop the word. Can I encourage you? He brings times of refreshing. Sometimes you need to just get back in his presence just to worship him for who he is. Not for what he can do for you, but just for who he is. And he will bring times of refreshing. He'll give you the grace to get through the hardest seasons in your life. And when you look back at those seasons, if you go through it with him, the memory will be filled with the aroma of his presence. I went through some stuff and I had to seek God every day. And I went through a season that was hard. But when I look back at that season, I remember his presence, how sweet it is. And my relationship with God today is better because of what I went through. And because what I went through, I have more empathy for other people going through stuff. And because what I went through, I learned so much that I can put into practice now. It's, um, it's amazing how God can make it all work out for your good. And the timing, I was believing for stuff years ago and it didn't happen. Now I'm like, oh God, your timing is, is perfect. Do not give up. 
Do not let go of his promises. Seek his face. He's so good. Now, last little thing I want to do is I want to look at why we drop the word. Why we drop the word. And I'm kind of taking this from a a story Jesus told called the parable of the sower. And in that parable, he talks about someone who's planting seeds and some of them grow into fruit trees, mango trees and, and peach trees and apple trees. And then some of them don't grow at all. And then some of them, they start growing, but then they die. And I want to kind of use that as an example of why we sometimes drop the word. And Jesus in that parable, he gives kind of four reasons why we drop the word. Here they are, why that, that seed gets choked and it doesn't bear any fruit. The first reason is persecution. So you're holding on to the word like, yeah, my kids are going to walk right with God. And one day you tell your friend, yeah, I'm believing, I'm praying, my kids are going to walk right. And your friend says, your kids? (laughs) The one that just got expelled? That's the kid that's going to walk right? Okay. (laughs) Good luck with that one. Sometimes you're believing for something like Joseph and you tell someone, they're like, oh, you think you. Okay. So you think you can be the number one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then... We drop it because someone laughs at us, and then we start thinking, oh, yeah, what am I thinking? Who am I? Who am I? It's not who are you. It's who is God. He can do anything. Don't drop the word just because someone thinks you're ridiculous for believing what you believe. So the first one is persecution. The second one is distractions, and this is the one that gets me all the time. Sometimes you drop the word. You stop meditating on the word and believing for God's goodness every day just because you're so distracted, and you're running from one thing to the other to the other. And for me, my biggest distraction, man... It's got to be my phone. Sometimes I just go to check something real quick. 30 minutes later, I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I'm like, wait, what was I doing in the first place? Distractions sometimes make us drop the word. For other people, it's worries. We're worried about the future, about our kids, about the economy, about our savings, our retirement. We're worried about political. So we're just worried and worried and worried. And sometimes we're worrying about stuff that we can't control. And all that worrying chokes the word. But can I encourage you? Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Sometimes it's good for me to get on in nature and just look at the birds. I love it. Being in nature really connects me and grounds me to my faith. I encourage you, make some time to get in nature. I'm trying to spent all the time in nature. I'm even like learning bird names and stuff like that. I can now, I'm trying to identify. Sometimes it's hard. Some of the bird names are tricky. Like what's the morning warbler and the sandpiper? I I don't know the difference. The one bird name I always know, the red-winged black bird. That's a perfect bird name because I can point it out every time. I think we should call birds by names everyone understands. Like for example, this bird right here, What's the name of that bird? Because I'm going to say cardinal, okay? No, that's called red bird. <laughs> that's what we should call that bird. It's just red bird, okay? Are we on the same page? That's red bird. Now, what do we call this bird? That's yellow bird. Very good. This is good. Online, I hope you're playing along with us too. Now, what about the birds that you see all over, like the power lines and everything? They look like this. What, what's the name of this bird? regular birds. That's what those are called. That's just a regular bird. That's good. 
Now, this one's a little more tricky. I wonder if anyone's going to get this. What do you call these birds? We call them the mafia. Because they're mean. Anyone else scared of Canadian geese? If I'm walking down the street and one of those on the sidewalk, I am crossing the street to avoid. The kids are like, Daddy, why are we crossing the street? Because the mafia. They are mean. They will hurt you. But I think it's ridiculous. We're letting them do whatever they want. I'm driving. Someone stops their car. I'm, I'm in a rush. I'm like, yo, why you stop, man? What happened? He's like, there's a bird walking across the street. Can it fly? Like, are you thinking, why does a Canadian go who flies to Florida, you can't fly across Leslie Street now? You got to take your... They do it just to show us that they run these streets. That's the only reason they're doing it. And you would expect them to be friendly because they're Canadian geese. They're supposed to be polite and friendly. That's the expectation. The reality is different. Expectation versus reality. That reminds me of this video. Everyone watch this. Chance here. It's Willingham. Enter the box. Willingham shoots. Goal! That was magic. This is history in the... Oh, how oh, really oh, easy. Oh, oh yes. my goodness. Matt Kuchar. How about a round of applause? Ah, oh, that's great. Awesome. All right, we're going to wrap up in a moment here. I just want to show you this uh, one last thing that I think is a big reason why sometimes we're holding on to his promise and then sometimes we just kind of drop it. We stop meditating on that word he's given us. Chasing fulfillment. In the parable of the sower, Jesus said, one of the reasons that the seed gets choked and it doesn't become that fruit tree is because of, and this is the phrase he uses, the deceitfulness of riches. The, the deceitfulness of riches. Now, of course, he was speaking in a, in a different language, Aramaic and Greek. And so I had to look up, what does that mean, the deceitfulness of riches? And you know what the word riches, you know what it means? It means feeling full feeling satisfied, feeling fulfilled. And he says, the deceitfulness of chasing what you think will make you feel fulfilled. And for some people, it's, it's money. Yeah, once I make this much money, then I'll be fulfilled. For some people, it's, you know, a, a social status. Once I become, you know, you know, maybe it's a social media thing. Once I get this many followers, or once I have this notoriety, or once I get this in my career, for some people, it's marriage. Once I find the one, my soulmate, then I'll be fulfilled and, and then I'll be fine for the rest of my life. But Jesus says it's the deceitfulness of what you think is going to make you feel fulfilled. That we think that we'll be fulfilled once we have this much money, 
I'm speaking to myself here too. We think we'll be fulfilled. Once we just get to this place in our career, that's when I'll finally feel. But Jesus said, nothing will ever make you feel fulfilled except for me. You've got a God-shaped hole in the middle of your heart and only God can fill it. And chasing that thing that you think is gonna bring you happiness, when you get there, you realize, wait, I'm not fully satisfied yet. Maybe, maybe what I really need is, is this. And then we do it all over. Some, some of us spend our whole lives chasing things we think are going to fulfill us, and they never will. Anything wrong with marriage? Of course not. Anything wrong with career goals? and Of course not. But there's something wrong when we think, I'll only be content when I have that. When God says, I'll make you content right now. And then when I bring you that, you will truly be good because that's not what's keeping you. Because that thing can fluctuate and go up and down and then you're having a bad career moments and then you're not fulfilled and then it's good. So yeah, in your whole life, he's like, no, no, no. Let me put you on the solid rock of feeling validated and affirmed and satisfied in me. And then I can add everything else to that because you're standing somewhere. You can stand to be blessed now. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, his right way of doing things, and everything else will be added to you. So putting first things first is key. Are you chasing something you think is going to fulfill you and you're burning all that energy? Now, this parable of the sower was all to say, when you're planting that promise, when you're planting the word of God, clear ground, clear ground. If there's persecution, if people made fun of you and that's what's making you not really want to believe, get over that. I want you to look at these four things, and I want you to decide for yourself right now. What do you think it is for you that sometimes makes you drop the word? You were running well and believing, and then all of a sudden it's like, uh, is it distractions? Is it worries? Is it chasing fulfillment? What is it for you? And this week, I want you to keep that in mind and clear ground for God's word. Make time to meditate on his promises. Believe again. Fan that flame. Because God will do just as he promised. I'm going to leave you with this scripture. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. God is faithful. Keep walking with him and hold on to his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your resume is flawless, that you are perfect in all of your ways, even when we can't see it. And when we cross that veil from life to death and we see you face to face, and we see behind the scenes, we'll say, oh, God is perfect in all his ways. No one will find fault. God, I thank you that your word is the only foundation that we can build our life on. There's nothing else that will fulfill us. God, I thank you that you hold together the universe by the integrity of your word. So surely you can hold our lives together. 
God, today we commit to meditating in your word, to believing your word, to believing your promises. And we know we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And everyone who believes says, amen. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.